This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because, just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. How you doing, Mr Booker? How's things? I'm all right, getting by. A little bit bored on the international break, but what can you do? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it is it's desperation. The best thing about doing a football podcast is that you have your content ideas made for you, essentially, don't you? We we never have to come up with stuff unless it's an international break. And guess what? We are we're not scraping the barrel. This should be fun. This should be really fun. But we're we're turning to a little bit of a more a more conceptual episode once again. Do you want to talk us through what we're here to do today? Uh, yeah, I'll try because your explanation of it was was just as confusing to me at the, at the start of this. Um, we are picking the best available 11, starting 11 from players who have played under Pep Guardiola at City. Now, I think the one thing that needs to be pointed out for this is that <clears throat> this will be based on players form under Pep. So, for instance, mm, yeah. you know, Yaya Torre's best days were under Pellegrini just because he played, you know, a season and a half or two seasons, whatever, under Pep, but barely touched the field. Doesn't mean mm. that that he gets in because of, you know, a lifetime achievement award. It's going to be players who played their best football under Pep. So we will be picking a starting 11 from those players. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, just a couple of other house rules. I think you did a very good job at explaining it there, assuming the role of, of sort of full host for a moment. Um, but we're, we're picking players, like you say, who played under Pep at City. That's the sort of the key underlying, bold, emphasising point from this. Um, and it's going to be an, a, a managed... So in 11 managed by him at the same time, but but throughout his seven seasons at City, we're not just looking for sort of like the best players from the Centurion season, sticking them all in one squad. It, it, we are going to look to to make a mix and make some balance. Um, on that, we are going to try and make it as position and role specific as possible. So no strikers in midfield or centre backs at left back, which I suppose actually something Guardiola would probably That's choose true. to do himself. So maybe it isn't as realistic as we hope. But um, we'll we'll propose a player for each position between us. I've not seen your starting eleven. You've not seen my starting eleven. There is every chance there'll be some um, what do you call it? 
lapovers. That doesn't sound like the right word. What is it? Uh, uh, crossovers. Crossover. Crossovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good start. Good start. Um, and we'll discuss who we think the best pick will be. So I, I guess we'll get into things and goalkeeper. I'll I'll go first for this because. It's a really simple one straight off the bat. I think there's only one real choice for this position. You're nodding your head. You, I feel like we've got we're on the same page here. A player signed by Guardiola himself, and that's obviously um, Claudio Bravo. I knew you were going to say Claudio Bravo, and that's <laughs> a great thing that we have a podcast, Tether, because I put Willy Caballero. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, slightly. Yeah, true, slightly better. Um, no, what? who are we kidding? It's obviously Edison, isn't it? It is, yeah, easy. That was I. I have a, a list of explanations here for all of my players, and for Ederson, I just put self-explanatory. Well, yeah, I'll I'll try and do some explaining to, to, to drag this out a little bit longer. But um, speaking of impacts, I think it's, it's difficult to imagine a player who's had a bigger impact under Guardiola. Is that a fair? I mean, Haaland's pushing him close at the moment, but in terms of when he came in, obviously mentioning Bravo's name, it was cataclysmic in that first season under under Bravo. I think there was that spell, wasn't there, around January time to maybe March where he didn't make a save. Like every literally every shot that he faced went in the net. And and for thirty million pounds or so, I think it was a year later Liverpool paid about seventy for Allison. It really goes to show the sort of call it a bargain. I think you probably would. What is it? Back to back Premier League titles in his first two seasons, another couple of titles since then. And on top of that free Premier League golden gloves. He gets a lot of unjust stick. We've mentioned it a few times. We don't necessarily think he's the best goalkeeper in the world, but there isn't a better one available for Manchester City right now and there hasn't been for the last, what, five years or so. Yeah, and what's interesting about Ederson is that we didn't know what we were missing until we had him kind of thing. It wasn't like, you know, in the the last few years we've been screaming out, we really need a striker. This team needs, you know, a a lethal finisher. And like everybody knew that that's what this team needed. Everybody's been screaming from the rooftops. We need a left footed left back to come in and and stretch the pitch on the, on the left. But nobody, I mean, maybe some kind of Guardiola experts and people that had followed him from, from Barca to Bayern to city would have been like, well, what City are desperately missing is a goalkeeper that can play out from the back as as calmly as a, a midfielder would. We didn't know mm-hmm. that, you know. We, we'd never had that at City before, um, and that even that wasn't even really as mainstream as it is now. You know, every keeper is kind of expected mm-hmm. to be able to play with the ball at their feet, but players like Ederson kind of got that that type of yeah. of goalkeeping rolling. So, yeah, it was interesting, and obviously Claudio Bravo came in. That didn't really work out. From the start, it, it seemed you know Pep didn't want Joe Hart, and and that um, mm. was resolved pretty quickly. And but we didn't really know why he was kind of having all this goalkeeper turnover until we saw Ederson, and we were like, okay, I get it now. You're you're right, yeah. Pep. Yeah, yeah. How many times have we said that? I mean, obviously the, the the one you mentioned there, Joe Hart, when he came in, that was a tough one to take for a lot of City fans, wasn't it? That sort of feeling of this man who's who's been uh, along with the likes of Vincent Company, along with the likes of, oh, I shouldn't actually say some names because we'll probably end up covering them, but, you know, a mainstay of City's successful period. And then it was a case of one match, and I think it was Stour Bucharest in the Champions League qualifier was his only game of that season, and he, he got shipped out to Italy. Um, so, yeah, he, he did a massive, massive job of, of taking over. And, and I think he's probably making a case to be one of City's best goalkeepers of all time. The only one at the moment I can think who, who rivals that is, is obviously Bert Troutman for his his legendary status and, and the storyline. But in terms of quality, I don't know if you can think of anyone else who, who probably gets it above him. Joe Hart, again, is probably his only, only competition right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on what qualities you're looking at. I think Joe Hart was was a better shot stopper than Ederson, but as far as Ederson's role in the team mm. that he's specifically in, um, there's probably not yeah. a man or woman on earth that that could fill his shoes. So, yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, pretty simple one, like I said. Let, let's move up the pitch then into we'll we'll go left to right and we'll start with left back. Um, and I'll I'll pass this one over to you. You can take that one. Yeah, this was a weird one. There was probably, I think, two spots in my 11 which I felt like I had to not shoehorn somebody in, but I had a little bit of of mental deliberations. Um, And I've gone with Jao Cancelo here solely because Uh. we haven't had a left back under Pep. I mean, you think about who's been there, Zinchenko, um, 
Fabian Delph, Benjamin Mendy. You could say Delph worked out for a small period of time. Sinchenko worked out for about two seasons, but mm. could be up and down at times. I think I've gone with just the highest quality player that has played in that position under Pep and has played there consistently at this point. Um, and I think for me, that's that's easily Kinsella. Yeah, it was a really difficult one for me as well. I've gone for somebody different because, as you mentioned yourself, um, City haven't really had any left-backs in that time, or at least out-and-out left-backs, the, the ones they have had. Obviously, you mentioned Mendy, it didn't work out, and then Kolarov for a season or so. And, and I, re- I actually really miss Kolarov. I think he was very sort of not underrated so much, but sort of misunderstood a little bit. Um, but but for me, I've, got, I've gone for someone different. I, I've gone for Alexander Zinchenko. Now... This is where it becomes a bit difficult because there's only two of us and we almost need like a, a, a majority vote or something like that. It's not going to happen. So maybe I'll have to concede. But for me, when Zinchenko arrived, it was to absolutely no fanfare. Nobody knew who he was. He was another one of those typical CFG youth players who came in. There wasn't much expected of him. He was he was uh, arriving as a central attacking midfielder. I mean, I, I say there wasn't much expected of him. He obviously had a fantastic youth career, but in terms of the sort of the stardom around the club at the time, it wasn't a, a, a stellar signing. And then he almost got dropped into that position accidentally, and it it was a fixture, I suppose. It, I'm not saying Alexander Sinchenko uh, ran so Cancelo could walk, but that sort of taking a player from another position and, and transforming them as a left back, Delph, another one from that book from the same season. But even up until his final appearance against Aston Villa when he came on the be- off the bench, he was making impacts. And I feel like, yes, Cancelo's probably the best player there but in terms of this sort of this sort of uh trend we've seen from Guardiola at City taking a player moving them out of position and getting success out of I think Zinchenko's probably the best we've seen see I think I'll concede here because it was a a tough one it was a tough one for me um and I prefer Given who I am absolutely sticking in at left wing and won't hear any arguments against him um uh, it's good. It will be good to have a left-footed left back in our uh, our all-time Pep eleven. So I'll I'll happily go with Zinchenko. Interesting, right? Okay, I, I take first blood. Then let me just get that down. Zinchenko at left back. Love to see it. Um, I'll go uh, for the first centre back then. And, and I mean, if if you disagree with this, then we'll be searching for a new podcast co-host. But um, first one first, Vincent Company. He managed to reinvent himself as a Guardiola player. When he, we, we spoke about Joe Hart, there was the doubts there. It didn't work out. And there was also doubts around Vincent Company. Would, would he be able to sort of move away from this iconic, colossal defender into a more useful ball-playing centre-back. And, and I think he definitely did it, if, if not sort of perfected the role. Maybe there were some um, consolations from Guardiola's side as well, but he certainly um, moved himself up a gear and, and sort of took his game to a next level. And, and probably the most fairy tale ending imaginable, really, wasn't it, in 2019? We've obviously had uh, the, the 2020, what was it, 2022 league win, and that was dramatic, and the 2012 one before that. But in terms of actually, like, if you were to write it down, how it would play out, that 2019 one, scoring the final, the goal against Leicester, which effectively won City the league, winning the league the the week later at Brighton, of course, and then lifting the FA Cup at Wembley. Same place he'd lifted City's first trophy in, in 30-odd years, less than a decade before. It's what, it's what dreams are made of, and, and uh, I'm guessing you're probably not going to argue with that one. Yeah, no, I've, I've got no arguments. Um, he is probably the heart and soul of this club forever. I'd say, I'd say up yeah. to up to this point, there is nobody that kind of um, almost meant more to the club in their time, um, and yeah, to be you know captain of the club in in a domestic treble winning season, the only club to ever do that. Um, that mm. is that's no small feat, and like you said, to do it in the manner that he did and come back from from lots of injuries and and take on this new system after you know originally signing for the club is this really like kind of overly physical, kind of gangly yeah. central defensive midfielder to to turn yeah. in this kind of Rolls-Royce captain at centre-back is is an incredible transition. And yeah, absolutely no arguments there. Yeah, and I think what, what tips it over the edge more in a wider sense is that the adulation he picks up from other clubs supporters, which is a sort of... It isn't always the case for City because obviously there's... there's um, 
there's people who dislike City for obvious reasons, but there's a certain number of players, a sort of handful of players who who have sort of bridged that gap. And, and I, I speak to fans of other clubs about Vincent Company, and they all wish he played for their club. And because he, he, like you said, he embodies it. He, he sort of he is Mr. Man City, I suppose, isn't he? But but who goes alongside him then at centre half um, for you, Adam? So this is a tough one again because. There's two ways to look at this for me. If we're picking the best possible 11 that that would be suited to Pep, I would mm. go alongside, because Vinny is next to him, I would go John Stones. Okay. Is there a but. but or is that, the, yes. Oh, there is a but. The but is, if we're talking about the second most talented center back in the Pep era, I think it's Ruben Diaz. But do I want two big boy tough guy uh, <laughs> center backs as Pep center backs? Probably not. I probably want somebody like Vinny who's going to organize, 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 be a physical presence, and then maybe John Stones to be that silky ball playing center yeah, back. Yeah. So for me, unless you've got a third or fourth, even fourth option there. Uh, I've got, yeah, I've got a different one. Okay, go on. I've got a different I, I think, one. Um, I, Similarly to you, this one trolled me a bit because I think there's reasonable shouts for a few players. And obviously, he's he's not in this conversation, but at the same time, Nicholas Otamendi's 2017-18 campaign mm. is something that I think has gone massively under the radar at the time and, and probably in retrospect as well. He was absolutely sublime in that season. John Stones is, is I think, I'm confident in saying the best footballer City have had in that position. Um, again, probably ever. I don't think that the, the 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 qualities he's have he has is, has been matched um by anyone else. For me, I I, I don't know if it's it's a sort of the, the balance of the team. I don't know, but I, I'm looking at Laporte as someone who arrived in 2017 and 18, was obviously courted by Guardiola himself, played a bit part role in that uh, from January onwards in that season, but but since then has gone at a level that is so impressive consistently while also not necessarily getting the same praise and, and um, the sort of the same accolade. You know, Ruben Diaz had an incredible first season. And obviously when you start that high, it's going to, it's going to drop, drop off naturally. I don't know if we've had him long enough to say he's the best of all time. Um, or oh, sorry, the best since, since Guardiola arrived. For me, it's probably Laporte or Stones, and I'm happy for you to to cast the cast the vote on that. Um, I think I'd go John Stones. That's fair. That that that, that I, I can say that because I think both of them, Company and John Stones, together make a formidable duo. Th- that's I, I that's do. my thing. I think I think John Stones is the perfect deputy centre back, yeah. and Vincent Company yeah. is is of course the general. I think they're just the perfect combination. Yeah, you you can see John Stones playing bad cop, really, can't you? That sort of bumbling one in, sort of cocking stuff up for for the mission, and and yeah, alongside company, you know, get, getting a, a growl on his face. Um, right, okay, um, right back again. This there's a few positions I feel like a, a, a dead cert now, unless you want to make a case for anyone else, maybe Bakri Sanya. Kyle Walker is is a is is a <laughs> he's a he's a he's a certainty, really, isn't he? Yes, but what's what I will say that's funny is the fact that we've conceded on Zinchenko at left back in for Pep specifically is Cancelo not the perfect right back? Oh God, here we go. Um, sure, I mean <laughs> I have really, Walker. I have Walker, but that's because yeah, I had Cancelo yeah. at left back. I, I think I still want to go with Walker, but I just want to raise yeah. that that question. I, I it's a fair point. It's an absolutely fair point. I, I feel though. When both are fit, um, who do you start at their peak? And I think it's still Kyle Walker. Yeah, in a, in a big he, game, and, and he's done it for longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's done it. He's done it for longer. Again, he was. He was. Um, he came in in that sort of raft of new signings, twenty seventeen, eighteen. Made it. It wasn't necessarily as as. Um, 
is is crying out for as a goalkeeper, for example, or a striker like we've had in recent years. But it, it felt that those those fullback positions needed changing. I can't remember how long it was since City had last bought someone um, because Sanya obviously arrived on a free. It would have been Zabaleta, I suppose, in that position, um, or maybe Mike on DMA. You know yeah. that that sort of that sort of sums up the, the players who would, who would City had been hoarding beforehand. You, you go back to 2016, 17, and, and what was some of the the starting fullback pairings? I think we had Jesus Navas in there at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had Jesus Navas during during the Pep era, which maybe he's a shout for a right back. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, for the B I, team. I have consistently said that Walker is arguably the most consistent defender signed under Pep. Um, somehow he is still wildly underrated by City fans. I don't know how. I think mm. the only reason I could come up with is that every season he has a you know kind of two to three week spell in which he makes a ton of mistakes and he gets dropped and yeah. but then he always comes back comes back stronger and um, I think he is probably unless we go on to win the Champions League and, and Erling Holland scores you know twenty goals in the Champions League then you'd say yeah that was the biggest signing of the Pep era. I think Walker was the most important signing of the Pep era up to this point. Right, that's just from what he gives to his team. Yeah, I was going to pose the question hypothetically speaking: If City won the Champions League with Kyle Walker in the team, where would that place him amongst the amongst the pantheon of City legends? Sort of, if you have the 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 top three, the statue lot, which you know, if we try not name names because we we may get to a couple of them, but if you have the, the the three statues outside the stadium, and then maybe. In that next bracket is a again a, a, another couple of players we'll mention, but but just quickly, where where does he get where does he fit in there? Well, for me, the statue bracket also has longevity playing a part. And you look at the, yeah. the three from the modern era that have statues, and they were all there a decade. Um, yeah. Kyle Walker's been here what five season five years five calendar years. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I think he'd have to probably continue to play at a high level for three or four more seasons, which it's maybe looking like that, that might not happen. Um, But he is, when we think about this era and when we think about how this is almost certainly, well, not almost certainly, certainly the greatest era in club history, um, then he is in the top 10, I would say most important players of this era. And that goes beyond Pep that goes all the way back to Mancini and, yeah. and everything so I'd say he's he's in the top 10 in there right okay yeah that sounds good um just to recap then obviously uh back four and goalkeeper we've gone for Edison Zinchenko at left back company and stones together at center half and Kyle Walker um moving on to midfield starting with the the holding role <clears throat> I feel like there are two standout candidates for this one, really. And obviously, them being Fernandinho and Rodri. I'll let you make the case for the first one, and then I'll jump in with my own thoughts afterwards. So I put Fernandinho. Um, Okay, yeah. I think Rodri has a higher ceiling by the time he hits, you know, 30 years old. Um, I think that if Rodri played at Real Madrid or Barcelona or... Even United, a club with just a bigger media spotlight, I think he'd be mm. considered by the entire footballing world to be a generational midfielder. Um, yeah, somehow he's still, you know, ending up on on six in sixth or seventh on the you know the football bible top ten <laughs> central defensive midfield, whatever those nonsense yeah. lists are. Um, but yeah, for, it's Fernandinho for me. I mean, he's the best Brazilian to ever play in the Premier League. He's the lone shield of the back four during Pep's kind of swashbuckling era before it was so mm. possession-based and it was more a bit more heavy metal, kind of 2017, 2019. Um, but his ability to control a game entirely on his own while simultaneously being this fierce, physical kind of you know touchline to touchline putting in huge tackles type of player. Um, I think that was just such an impressive skill set. And I don't think the Premier League will see many players like that. I don't think there has existed a player like that. Obviously, Rodri is a totally different type of player. Mm. The closest maybe has been Fabinho, but he hasn't hit the type of consistent levels that Fernandinho has. So for me, Lifetime Achievement Award and based on his form under Pep, it's Fernandinho. Yeah, I mean, I, I to, to cut a long story short, I've picked Fernandinho as well. Um, with Rodri, though, 
you have to give him his flowers. He, he arrived in in 2019, and and <laughs> it's difficult for me to say he sat behind a computer screen with a microphone. But he looked a little bit plump when he arrived, didn't he? You know, he didn't sort of match the same intensity that you expect from the Premier League. He, he games were passing him by, and it was no coincidence that it was the season City's defense was torn to shreds through injuries, and and that um, doesn't help as well. But he almost sort of. It was like he he came in with a with a a high bar, lowered that bar immediately, and then just absolutely smashed everything else in in the following seasons. And t- to get to a point where Fernandinho, sort of city legend, yes, he was aging, but wasn't getting in the team during his last two seasons. Literally, was getting a handful of minutes here and there. Was testament to Rodri because I uh, he is my perfect perfect footballer if I could watch a footballer uh for 90 minutes just on their own isolated it, it's him and and that's you know personal preference some people like to watch forwards some people like to watch defenders but for me as a midfield stand it really is Rodri I think he, he he's absolutely spying he's probably for me City's most important player um mm. at the moment I think you take him out the team 90% of the time it starts to go a little bit array but obviously with Fernandinho, it, it's so difficult to make a case against him purely because sort of a couple of a couple of reasons really. But he he was another player who reinvented himself a number of times and and sort of played uh, going beyond Pep as well, but played as as this midfielder in, in a number of different roles. When he arrived um, in 2013-14, he was obviously uh, partnered alongside Yaya Torre and they had a devastating season together, you know, chipping in some goals that really, like you say, swashbuckling um, performances. And then as he got older, he obviously sort of made that one-man midfield holding role himself. And, and, and the fact he got away with so many sort of, uh, well, essentially dubbed the term tactical fouls, didn't they? He, he was the trailblazer in that. And and again, another reason, I don't think we would have necessarily known this without the, the recent documentaries, but that leadership role he adopted in these latter years where, uh, you know, Joe Cancello, for example, when he was uh, when he when his house was burgled, rang Fernandinho the same day. And, and that sort of he, Fernandinho, by all accounts, was this hub of the city players and, and players would come to him, you know, new arrivals that spoke Portuguese or were Brazilian or whatnot would come to him. They'd, they'd have meals, he'd, he'd host them, he'd look after them. He'd make sure that they were sorted for shopping or, you know, all this sort of rudimentary stuff that we don't even think about as mere mortals that when you go into a new country, a new league, a new job, whatever is really important. And yeah, he's another one who transcends the club. Um, I, I think Rodri's probably a better footballer, but in terms of that sort of that icon status, it's, um, it's a simple one, really, uh, and we'll chuck Fernandinho in there. Um, obviously, another Premier League winning captain as well. Um, so, midfield three we're going for. We've got two more positions to fill. I'll I'll cut it short a little bit, and I'll, I'll give you who I would have as my duo partner in them in front of them. And you can dissect, you can pick through it, and you can choose your own. But um, how about this for a, for a midfield pairing? Ilkay Gundogan and David Silva. <sighs> Okay, maybe I'll I'll leave this. I'll let you redeem yourself in the front three, but no Kevin De Bruyne. Oh shit! I forgot about him. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's this is this is absolutely staying in. I'm making this audio note right now that you, you know, are not you know getting away with this murder live. You on know what? I'll, I'll make the case. I'll make the case. You, you, you take it forward, then. Who, who, who's your midfield two? And I'll compose myself, and I'll, I'll come back um, in true sort of uh, uh, solicitor style, and I'll, I'll, I'll make the case, even if I don't necessarily believe in it. Mine was David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, why? Why? <laughs> Need I explain? Um, <laughs> well, look. I mean, with David Silva, obviously, you've got a player that it's almost pointless to explain his qualities because everybody listening to this will know them. Um, yeah, I've said many times, and I will say in a minute that I think Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfielder I've ever seen play live or on television. For me, David mm-hmm. Silva was the most influential to a game. The way that he just pulled strings like a puppet master from that little pocket and that inside left kind of um, half space. I've never seen a player do it. You you go and you listen to ex pros like Rio Ferdinand and Gary Neville and, and guys like that, and they. All of mm. these guys, when they make their all-time Premier League 11s, David Silva's in there. And I yeah. swear, right, yeah. he never he never made Team of the Season once, right? Um, Pretty sure he never remember. made Team of the Season, which is 
incredible because yeah, yeah. in his time, I think Kevin De Bruyne only eclipsed this, but in his time, he was the best midfielder in the league and it wasn't even close. I mean, he was just mm. your perfect little Spanish midfielder that just, mm. he was just on this 360 pivot in that little half space and just wherever he wanted to pass, passes that nobody else on earth would see, he'd see him, make him, bing, bang, boom, David Silva's in this 11. Yeah. Um, who, who, what, what David Silva did you prefer with her or without her? With hair, the floppy, the floppy bit, hair, little little bit sweaty. Yeah, like twenty. The original, the the original, yeah, yeah. original two thousand nine to two two thousand nine to right. two thousand eleven. I, I I'm I'm the bald assassin. I I thought when when he when he lost his hair, I think it was twenty seventeen eighteen. He just because because with David Silva, his his one sort of flaw was his his. Um, ability to or sorry lack of ability to score goals it felt like he did everything on a football pitch bar score goals and it was almost as if it, all it needed was a, a, a sort of a buzz cut on number one to shave all his hair off and he turned into this absolute phenomenal goal scoring midfielder so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the, the ball David Silva but yeah he's he, I mean, he's in there as a, as a anytime player. anytime City came out of the tunnel in the ball David Silva era I really wanted to sing David Silva's Superman that just felt <laughs> that just felt right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. It did. Um, yeah, it did. Um, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne. What, what's to say? What, what else is there to say? Yeah. I, look, I just said it a minute ago when talking about David Silva. He, for me, until we see maybe Holland play for ten years, I think Kevin De Bruyne will go down as the best player to ever wear the shirt. I mean, he's incredible. For me, a top five yeah. midfielder, maybe. Ever, I mean, I can't yeah. go back to the early 1900s, and um, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch most of Zidane's career, um, but when you just look at his consistency since 2013, yeah. 14, I mean, he is just totally unplayable on his day. And maybe that's the one knock mm. against him is when he's having a bad day. It's it's really bad. Um, mm. And it's almost hard to watch, but um, yeah, for me, easily the most talented player to ever play at this club and to probably to ever play in the league. Yeah, um, uh, thinking of that, I, I can only say Zidane, possibly Iniesta Xavi, maybe Sergio Busquets, but he may fall out the top five. But other than that, Luka Modric has a shout as well. I, I think um, Busquets is just, I think the, the Busquets style player has got to be their own kind yeah, of yeah. category but Own yeah category, when yeah. you're spot on with you know your Modric, Xavi, Iniesta, even David Silva could be in that list probably. Mm, yeah. Um but he's he is certainly up there and he doesn't seem to be slowing down. I think the longevity is going to kind of push him past some of those players perhaps. I mean obviously Luka yeah. Modric has has longevity on his side big time, but he, he doesn't look like he's going to stop doing this for another 3 or 4 years. If if he does this to 35, 36 the way that that Modric has then there's nothing stopping him from from being considered one of the all time greats, other yeah, than the color yeah, shirt that he wears every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. Okay. Obviously, it's Kevin De Bruyne. I, I, I genuinely don't know what happened. I, I completely just had a, a an absolute mind. Fog did you Did you just, do what I did and you made this list after many glasses of red wine last night? Because well, that's how I quite. made my list. <laughs> Not quite, but although uh, it, it was this morning and it was after a quite heavy weekend of which yesterday I didn't actually move from bed, so maybe maybe I'll blame it on that. But um, I guess I'll 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 try and make a case for Gundogan because I do think there's there's a shout for him. Certainly, if he's not going to get in the team, then then that's obvious. But I do think there's a shout for him because it's easy to forget he was um, because of the injury in the first season. But he was he was Guardiola's first transfer as City manager, and it was quite clear from the off that. When when Guardiola was announced, or the, the sort of the rumours that he was going to become City manager, well, what am I saying? It happened in in February. We knew he was going to become City manager, but in that summer, the first name that sort of came uh, being bandied about was Ilkay Gundogan, and and it was a bit like, well, okay, that's cool. He was in a Dortmund team that did well, but was he? Re- you know, we're expecting these world beating uh, monsters to come through the door with Guardiola's pulling power. And it was this little plucky number eight from Dortmund who had done a few things with Jurgen Klopp and whatnot. But obviously, as the years go by, he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal City career. And 
I feel like that that final day against Aston Villa has taken his status to a new a new level. And um, I, I don't know if I've said on this podcast before um, or, or whether I've said it on Twitter, but my prediction is that Ilkay Gundogan will become the first ex-City player from the, the modern era, the modern successful era, to become City manager. And we've seen him doing his coaching badges with the with the younger the younger teams um I, I'll, I'll go on record and say i wouldn't want companies to become city manager but that's a completely different debate for a completely different time but i feel as though he's someone who as the years sort of from this point on well well sort of starting with the aston villa game until he, he ends up leaving city and then post city i think he's someone who will be remembered very fondly obviously it's not going to be de bruyne but i think he's he's certainly in the conversation yeah, I, th- I think he would go into an iconic eleven if we're if we're talking about yeah. pure talent, pure ability. Then then De Bruyne is obviously in there. But if we were making yeah. a most iconic City eleven, then for his final day contribution, then then yeah, he goes in there. And and, and obviously everything he's done up to that point. You look at his mm. um, his role in the team, the way that it changed in the lockdown season in which yeah. City were playing this really stale brand of football and he was playing in a double pivot with Rodri for a lot um and it was just it was just so so stodgy and and hard to watch and then Guardiola mm. the the genius that he he is he puts Gundogan a little further up the pitch and and he ends this the season's um you know the team's leading scorer that season so yeah, he he clearly is is a Swiss Army knife type of player and can kind of play anywhere in a front kind of six almost. You, you think even if you want yeah. to play him as like a possession based winger, he'd be able to do it maybe in yeah. his, his younger days. So um, yeah, he's definitely in there. But let's move on to the front three. Let's move on to the front three. Yeah, um, right. Just to recap at this point, then Edison, Company, Stones, Sinchenko, Walker, Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silver is what we've got up to now. Three positions up for grabs I'll throw you the the because obviously you've, you've already mentioned you've got some passionate thoughts about this one so I'm, I'm going to take cover and you can you can pick the left winger to start off with can I go left winger right winger because they influence each other yeah I'm sure okay. yeah go for it go okay. for it knock yourself out so at left wing I've got Raheem Sterling which wow. I don't at I don't, left wing yes yeah and look, this—it feels like a weird one because of the way things ended. How he seems to be kind of yeah. corroding his relationship with the club and the fans with every passing month. That's not great, but you can absolutely not argue that from 2017 to 2020, Raheem Sterling was probably City's most prolific attacking player, along with Sergio Aguero. Yeah. You know, he finished his his City career with 131 goals and 96 assists. Which, by the way, has him easily crack the list of top five goal scorers in club history. Um, mm, yeah. So you can't argue with those. And obviously, there's going to be plenty of people that say, you know, he had a lot of big misses. He only scored tap ins, all those kind of arguments. Which, by the way, if you think that Sterling wasn't a good player because he only scored tap ins, you also don't think Holland is a good player. So look mm. yourself in the mirror and come to terms with the type of person you are. Um, <laughs> But yeah, for me, Sterling, it's. I, I think there's no argument to have him in this front three. Um, maybe the yeah. argument is to have him on the right. Maybe you'd say that the Sané, Aguero, Sterling front three in which Sterling was on the right was maybe the best front three that we've seen up to mm-hmm. this point. Um, but when I think about iconic Sterling performances, it's cutting in from the left onto his right and just curling mm. shots into that bottom corner. That's what I think of when I think of the the prime Sterling goal. That's what I picture, and I'm picturing the 2018-19 season really at the at the heart of that. So for me, mm. Sterling goes in at left wing, and, and with Zinchenko on the at left back in this team, works out fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've I've got no complaints with that at all. Did you want to uh, carry on with your your left wing? What <clears> do you want me to to sort of pick that up? Uh, do you have any disagreement here? No, but I do from the position he's in. So we'll we'll we've got Sterling in there. Um, okay. where he's playing at the moment, we'll have to give him a whisper in his ear before he go heads to the tunnel. Okay. So then at right wing, this is where it might get a little controversial. I've got Bernardo okay. Silva. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean he played there for go on. two seasons. Go on. 
go on. Yeah, go he on. Played, he played there from 2017 to 2019. Obviously, he didn't play much in yeah, the 2017-18 yeah. season. But for me, still, that 18-19 team was the the peak Guardiola team. Peak Guardiola team. The treble yeah. winning team. I don't, I don't – maybe if this team right now goes on to do a Champions League, Premier League double, then we start having the conversation, of course. But for me, still right now, 18-19 is – the epitome of Pep Guardiola's city side. And yeah. Bernardo Silva was on the right wing in that in that team. And this is also a bit of shoehorning because I kind of wanted him to put him to play him in midfield, but I am not dropping David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne. So if we're looking at, you know, a kind of more direct pacey left flank with Cancelo and Ster or sorry, not Cancelo, uh, Zinchenko and Sterling. Sterling's obviously going to be a lot more chaotic and more direct. Silva is the the metronome of the front three for me here. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's my controversial one, but I am absolutely sticking by it. Right, we'll see. We'll see. Um, as for Sterling, he, he he's in my team. Um, he he's playing right winger in this in this team, but he can play he can play left wing because of the guy I picked for the opposite flank is is more than adept at, at playing at either side too. But um, some honourable mentions before before we crack on, and also oh, before I crack on, Leroy Sane. I, I feel as though if he'd have stayed a couple more seasons, we'd have seen him in that sort of those later later Pep seasons. He'd have been a shoehorn because I. I mean, so he gets a little bit of stick. I feel from from some, but I I I, I would still have Leroy Sane back at City in, in an absolute heartbeat. You look at some of the compilations from 2018, 19. It's frightening, genuinely frightening. Um, a couple more: Gabriel Jesus, Riyad Mahrez, Nolito. Does, does he get a shout? I, I loved Nolito. <laughs> I thought he was for an how absolute long? Like king. twenty-five minutes. I, I just remember best, him. He's... I remember him bawling out at Old Trafford in his first season, and maybe I guess it would be his. Yeah, yeah, yeah his first season. Um, yeah, well, his only season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, look, I'm not going to have him in my team, but I just want to say right. I enjoy. I, yeah. I enjoyed his time. Yeah, the best one for Nolito. I think it was Bournemouth at home. He, he certainly scored. He may have scored two, but I think City were 4-0 up. And in what would have been, I'm, I'm not sure on the exact details, but it was with five minutes to go, if not less, he headbutted a Bournemouth player and got sent off. And, and from that point on, it was just downhill. Um, that would have been about mid-September time in, in his only seasons. But yeah, um, he's not in the team. But for me, the player who who can play across all three positions, I know we've got a striker to come, but it is the quintessential Guardiola player. He's nurtured him. He's he's made him what he is today. He's he's fathered him uh, to some extent, and it's Phil Foden. Phil Foden, unlike I'm pretty confident in saying, ninety nine percent of other uh, City's other players. Guardiola is the only manager Phil Foden has known at senior football. He was the one who gave him his debut in 2017. He was the one who brought him through the first team. He was the one who brought him into the the, the senior setup. He's obviously tinkered with him a little bit, but you listen to the quotes Guardiola says about Phil Foden, and, and it's genuinely only comparable with um, Lionel Messi in terms of the stuff he says. He he loves him absolutely loves him and I think it's telling that the the reports of Phil Foden's new contract are going to keep him here till he's about 97 you know it would be it'd be heartbreaking but it'd also be surprising if we ever saw Phil Foden play at his peak for another club genuinely because he has been he's been this sort of this I think it's what we all wanted and expected when the the uh, football academy was built and you know they were they were giving this spiel about how City are going to be able to develop talent they're going to pick it from the local areas blah blah, blah. and it, it took a while and even with Phil Foden he was he was the whispers were there in the academy for so long and it took a while to get into the team the clamors for him to go out on loan etc 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 but in terms of a, a, an archetypal Guardiola player one person who you, you feel would, would sort of revere this man more than just a football manager for me it's Phil Foden yeah I I have no qualms with that, really. I mean, you think about how he he basically dislatched from Guardiola's teat and went straight into the team. <laughs> yeah, he's he yeah. literally was fed by Guardiola for years. Um, yeah, but when I look at Sterling's contributions over a three year period, when I look at Bernardo Silva's contributions over the last three or four years, I just find it hard to drop either of them. 
Um, maybe you put him in at false nine, but I'm certainly not kicking out the center forward I have in there. For me, he is absolutely the Phil Foden is the first man off the bench in this team. Very first man. I'm talking 60th minute, uh, a scheduled sub every single game, get one of the front six off and put him on. But for me, just based on longevity and Phil Foden's going to go down clearly as an all-time great coming from the academy and to to be hit Ballon d'Or levels at this point, um, mm. then that's incredible. But for me, just right now, there's and this is this is the curse of Phil Foden, right? Or the 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 curse that has been put upon Phil Foden is the level of talent in front of him has been immense, and I think he's still struck by that curse in this all time eleven because I'm still not willing to drop anybody. But I mean, who? Would you take Bernardo Silva out? Is that what you probably would go with? Yeah, because yeah, because I I mean, these two players who have scored more goals than um, Raheem Sterling in under Guardiola. One of them is Lionel Messi. You can probably guess the other one because we'll speak about him in a sec. But Sterling is is a dead set, and and I I don't care what people say about you know tarnishing his legacy. In terms of this, in terms of this concept, he is probably if you were going to do a Guardiola eleven, he'd be up there. He'd, he'd genuinely make a case to be in the team, and I think I probably would have him in the team. Um, but in, on the opposite side, whether that's right or left, I would. Because I don't actually, I, although that 18-19 season was phenomenal from Bernardo Silva, I, I think he's a better player in midfield. And obviously, you know, uh, I do he's got rigid positions. So he, he can he can go in there in this team. But I feel like if we're, if we're being true to word, wingers, um, and even still, Phil Foden's best position probably isn't on the wing, but where we've seen him the most, um, and, and sort of taking into account what this what this team means, I'd, I'd make a strong case for, for Phil Foden. See, I, I I think that as well. I think Bernardo Silva's best position is in the midfield, um, but I just couldn't drop either of the two that I had in there. Um, what's funny is at least I one think, of us did. <laughs> true, um, I do think that Phil Foden's peak. And the, because you know you listen to Guardiola and, and Foden is not fully developed yet. There's still things that that Guardiola yeah. believes he needs to fix. One of those which we talked about on a previous it's podcast, that too. But one of <laughs> one of the things that that Guardiola believes he needs to fix, and and we talked about this recently, is the fact that he doesn't know when to slow down, put his foot on the top of the ball, and kind of be the metronome of the team and, mm. and slow things down and say right. You know, we're two nil up, seventy seventh minute. I don't need to go straight at my defender here. I can recycle the possession, get us get the shape, and and kind of go from here. Um, What's funny is I think that Phil Foden's peak doesn't look too dissimilar from Bernardo Silva's peak in midfield. So I think where where Phil Foden goes from here, I don't think it looks too dissimilar from Bernardo Silva, which is the ability to dribble out of little pockets, the ability to Mm. – the vision, the passing, the ability to make – to to shoot and score, the ability to press, win balls back, harry defenders when they're they're playing out from the back. I don't think that's too dissimilar from Bernardo Silva. Um, So for me, Bernardo Silva just on – the, the levels he's reached in the last three or four seasons. For me, there was times where there was kind of six to eight month periods where Bernardo Silva was the best player in world football, period, any position. Yeah. Um, so that just makes it so hard. I, I was, one of us is going to have to concede here. Are you, are you willing to budge? Because if not, we can flip a coin. Where, where Let's see. Let's go back and look at our team, right? I conceded for Zinchenko. Yeah, I had, de- I, I had, I, I had to drag myself off the floor to concede for Gundogan for De Bruyne. I think you I got deserve. Stoned. Okay, that's true. Mm. I think I think we flip a coin. I think we flip a coin. In fact, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. We've got another position. Um, I mean, it could take very take very long to discuss this right. man's talents. I mean, he, he's multifaceted. This is the striker, of course. Absolutely multifaceted. Uh, 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 I mean, one of the best players this club has ever produced. Kelechi Iheanacho. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> the goalie scored at Old Trafford puts him down in, in City history yeah. forever. Yeah. So, Plus his miss, yeah. uh, mean- his miss at the Etihad. <laughs> For that Lester. was more important. Yeah, that was more. Important. We're talking about I mean, building an iconic city eleven <laughs> for iconic moments. That is absolutely yeah. iconic. 
when it, yeah, in sadly. in 2030 there's going to be a YouTube clip <laughs> Manchester City's all-time greatest moments there's going to be Gundogan's goal Sergio Aguero's goal uh Vinny's goal in that Leicester game there's going to be Erling yeah. Haaland lifting the Champions League trophy after scoring a goal in the 90th minute <clears throat> to win the tournament and alongside all of those great moments is going to be Kelechi Iheanacho shanking a shot into the south stand to to to, yeah. to rip the title out of Liverpool's yeah. hands. Was that did did I get this right? Was that after company slipped as well? Yeah, it was in the same move, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, dear yeah. me, it was somebody looking after City that no, day. You know uh, what, but no, you know what? No, was it? I think was it when it might have been West Morgan. Somebody really unlikely went on a full length run down the side right, of the pitch. Yeah. <clears throat> and the ball ended up getting squared to Kalechi, and that's when he shanked the yeah. shot. Yeah, because I remember company slipped moments after he scored the goal. I don't know if it was in the same move, but uh, I mean, serious faces on now. Um, Sergio Aguero, one word to describe him under under Guardiola. Let's keep it specific because there were obviously plenty of moments <clears throat> before that, but one, one word to describe him under Guardiola. What are you going for? One word. That's a tough question, that. That's a, I, I don't have one myself, so I've set you a, a tough task there. Machine. Machine. Nice. Yeah. Because um, there's speaking of uh, players who had doubts over the head when Guardiola arrived, I think it was sort of inconceivable in a different timeline, in a different universe. Sergio Aguero leaves at the end of the 2016-17 campaign and City sort of press ahead with Gabriel Jesus as the lone nine. Um, obviously, it started off them two playing together in 2017-18. That didn't last completely. But but for me, if, if there's one player I could have erased all of their injuries in the career, it would have been Sergio Aguero because there is not a record, I don't think, in the Premier League that he wouldn't. I don't know if he'd have made it to Shearer because that is a lot of goals, an awful lot of goals. And there was a bit more to Aguero's game than just goals. I mean, I'm looking at his career stats now. He had 55 assists in a City shirt. Um, but in terms of a player himself, that if you could get rid of the injuries, I, I would have... We're talking all-time greats. And if he's not already, which for me he is, I'm talking that, like in world football, there is nobody who gets close, I don't think, in terms of an, an sort of out-and-out striker. I mean, just looking at the records, Shearer has 260. Aguero finished with 184 in the league. <clears throat> That's not right, correct, yeah. is it? I thought he finished with 187 yeah, in the league. Oh, I don't know. I've got 184. That's what transfer market Right. Okay, that's about. correct. I, 187 is when he broke the record to become the club's all-time goal scorer, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think him breaking 260 had he played – 28 or 30 games a season instead of more like 25 in his time. Um, I don't think that's inconceivable at all. It's not inconceivable, but it's it's a big ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he, and, and he was more than capable. His ability to transition from what what Holland kind of is right now is a guy that kind of yeah. kind of just hangs around in the penalty area and um, doesn't doesn't move all that much, and then he just within a second he's off the back shoulder and in behind and he does that a few times a game and he, he puts the ball in the net every single time but but that ability to kind of transition into somebody that will press that will do a bit more off of the ball more runs um mm. that was really impressive and i think there was you know there's certainly doubts that that he'd be able to to do that and transition into that yeah. type of player and um obviously city were were better for it when he did and to retire as the club's all-time leading goal scorer, and you don't see that getting broken anytime soon unless Holland stays for like a decade. Um, mm. it, yeah, it's incredible, and there's 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 no argument here. Maybe maybe five years down the line, Holland gets in this this eleven based on his goal scoring, yeah. but for the time being, it's it's a hundred percent Sergio. Yeah, I, it's it's probably the easiest pick out of all these. It, it wasn't one I even had to think about the other players because it's just him. I mean, like you say, Haaland maybe at one point, but but certainly not uh, anytime soon. Right, okay, there's one position <coughs> up for grabs still. Um, we, we'll come to that very shortly, but here's, the, uh, here's a 10 out of the 11 at the moment. Edison in goal. 
Zinchenko at left back, company and Stones partnering each other at centre half. Kyle Walker at right back. Fernandinho is the holding midfielder. De Bruyne and David Silva are in front of them. Raheem Sterling is on one wing. We don't know which one it is yet. And Sergio Aguero as a striker. I've got I've got a coin. I've got a lovely you can see well, it. Hang on, I'm on coin. I'm on flipstimu.com. You well, I am not having no, I'm not having a digital coin doing the flip. I've got I've got a coin. You can have I'll, I'll give you the the pleasure of picking heads or tails. Oh, unless unless you want to concede now, unless you want to hold your hands up. And no, say no, 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 no. Right. But listen, I'm reading some global stats here. Okay, some according global to stats? according to Flip Simu on their site, there's been thirty three million five hundred forty four thousand five hundred seventy one <laughs> flips. Of those flips, seventeen million one hundred eleven thousand seven hundred seventy one, which is fifty one percent, have been tails. <sighs> I love yeah, an underdog story. I'm going to go heads. What, on, on your website or in my actual real coin? No, life? no, you, yeah, you can flip your real coin. I'll flip what is that, is that a shilling? Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it's the king's <laughs> shilling. Um, no, it's actually a very rare coin in this country. It's a two-pound piece. Um, mm. these, these are sought. Yeah, these are sought after. Probably the best coin along with a 50p pence. 50p mm. pence, 50p pence piece. Um, but yeah, it's a nice coin. Um, it's going to it's gonna lead to my victory. So this is Phil Foden versus Bernardo Silva for a position in the uh, all-time Pep Guardiola Manchester City 11. What did you say, heads? Heads. It's in the air. It's flipped. Tails! Oh, Get in! Off. Tails! Never I, I never, never thought I'd say fuck off to Phil Foden getting in an 11, but... <laughs> It's a moral <laughs> victory for one from one Stockport lad to another. Oh, what what the romanticism is just unmatched. Um, right, okay. Foden goes in there. I should have trusted this. I should have trusted the stats. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Silly, silly boy. Um, right, you can. I'll, I'll let you pick right or left. Uh, you wanted Sterling on the left, didn't you? Cutting in, Foden can do the right, can't he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That'll do for me. Magic. Should we should we should we recap um quickly? Uh Edison, Company Stones, Inchenko, Walker, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, David Silva, Raheem Sterling, Aguero, and Philip Walter Foden um going in there as the last pick. That is a bloody good team. I would say, does that team win the Champions League? But it probably has failed to win the Champions League <laughs> yeah, together yeah. before, no, it hasn't gets, it? It gets it yeah, it gets knocked out at the quarterfinals by Benfica. That's what yeah. that team's champions. It wins every other game in every other competition, but it, yeah. it, it's a quarterfinal defeat. Um on a, on away goals as well, probably bringing that old old chestnut back. Um any honorable mentions? Obviously Bernardo Silva you fought you fought hard and lost. But, I mean, anyone we've maybe not mentioned? Yeah, if I were to build a bench really quickly, I'm going to build a bench. I'm going... Go on. I'm going... An Ikea bench. Yeah, I'm going Rodri. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go one position for each. Rodri, Laporte, yeah. Cancelo, and then I guess Bernardo Silva can play in the front three or midfield. That would be my... My bench. Yeah, then. I'll 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 chuck Mara's in there. I think he's sort of gone under the radar a little bit. And uh, what else have we got in terms of uh, in terms of positions? Goalkeeper's a weird one. I know this isn't you know we're getting towards the end, but has there ever been a like a, a worthy second choice? Maybe Bravo for I think, penalty saving. Yeah, and- I think Bravo for his ability to. If we're talking about a team that's going to play a season, we're going to have to play cup games, and yeah, we want Bravo yeah. in cup games. He, and his redemption arc was yeah. one of the best that world football's ever seen. And then um, Nolito can go in there for the absolutely. For the Bravo, Rodri, Laporte, Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, Mares, and Nolito is the bench. Well, that was fun. That was that was a good ending and a, and a good podcast. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for for sort of entertaining this wild conceptual idea. It's been a, it's been a good one. It was very good. My uh, my wine fueled team building last night was was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now to start off on the uh, on on the worst eleven, that that is that could be significantly harder because there's well, not I, that many bad I players. I think um, Eric Ten Hag is going to put that together for us this week. Nice, nice. Um, right, okay then. That will do for today. Um, obviously, if you are new around here, follow, subscribe. You can't like podcasts, I don't think, but do whatever you can. Share it about. Tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell your your grandparents. Follow us on Instagram as well at City Report Pod. 
same as our Twitter handle. Before we bounce, have you got anything else to add, Adam? I do not. Um, I think by this time uh, on Sunday, when there's a derby to be played, I will be wishing it was international break again. But for now, I'm just <laughs> waiting for football to come back, real football to come back. Yeah, yeah. It's not a nice one to bounce back from the international break, is it? I mean, it's been, in, I've had moments this week where I've sort of been just going about my normal everyday life and then it's dawned on me like in the, like a sort of a hooded figure in a woods when I'm walking home alone. And I'm, I'm not walking home alone now, I'm just saying metaphorically, it's been like a hooded figure staring at me and it's giving me the creeps. Um, so yeah, that's to come. A Do you have woods in, in Stockport? Or is it just like concrete and, and dirt? <laughs> I'm not entertained. Of course, we've got woods. I mean, they're not like they're not like the the sort of the the vast landscapes you may have in in what what are you northwest Pacific Northwest America? Pacific Northwest. How exotic! Um, right, okay, that's enough of our ramblings. Adam, it's been a pleasure. It has been. It's been a pleasure from me as well. Um, until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.